Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to our Friday WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 270. The episodes are flying past, still, aren't they? And this is our episode for February the 23rd of 2018, and the year is flying. We've got a small panel, but a very intelligent panel dedicated to providing entertainment to you, our beloved listeners. So <laughs> I'm going to let them introduce themselves. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure thing. My name's John Locke. Uh, and I do SEO for manufacturers. There you That's go. It. There we go. And we've got Chris. like to introduce yourself, Chris. My name's Chris Badgett, and I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress course system for your website. And I'm also the host of a podcast for course creators and membership site builders called LMS Cast. It's an excellent podcast. Go and listen to it. And your background is maturing, isn't it? If you're watching this, folks, we always have a little joke with Chris with his building projects. Yeah. It does does seem to be progressing, doesn't it? Yeah, I got some paint up. This is actually our brand colors. There's blue here and uh, got some more whiteboards up. There we go. It's progressing. The empire is building. (laughs) And I'm, (laughs) I'm the founder of WP Tonic. We are a WordPress support service company with an emphasis of learning management systems and membership websites. So let's start our conversation off, beloved panel. And hopefully um, some other panelists will be joining us during the discussion. Um, They're always late, but they're always welcome. Um, Let's start off with a story in TechCrunch, which one of our other panelists um, managed to find. Um, sudden death of the website. Um, what did you think of this one, John? Well, I thought <laughs> the author, okay, so the, the, to, to put it, give a little background, it looks like the author has a background in e-commerce and uh, in chatbots. It looks like they were a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Basically, I, I feel like this article took a deliberately contrarian position uh, in saying that um, basically trying to translate uh, stores into e-commerce stores. There's something lost in translation and uh, customer service is bad. Um, and, and chat bots are, are kind of taking over. Um, it, it, it just seems like a position that he, he took just to kind of be controversial for the sake of being controversial uh, because he ends this article by saying, now every almost website looks the same and performs poorly. Uh, almost every website from Gucci to the Gap offers the same experience. And, uh, okay. But then he says, like, we're going to see, in 2018, you're going to see the first major brand shut down its website. I, I just, I don't see that. Um, I, I just think that that's, uh, it's just saying something for the sake of being controversial the last yeah yeah last paragraph is when the first website ends the dominoes will fall fast okay all right the russian front will cease uh uh, um 
So, um, well, when I first read it, I thought, oh, this is a heap of crap. Um, this is um, <laughs> this is link bait at its best. And then I had a thought about, I had a thought, let's leave it and have another think about it. And I think it's got some minor points, but I've come to the conclusion that fundamentally it probably is crap, the article. But there we go. What did you think, Chris? I'm actually really big on conversational marketing being the future. And uh, as an example, one of the biggest proponents of conversational marketing is David Cancel over at Drift. I attended his uh, conference uh, called Hypergrowth last year in Boston, which was a great experience. And I really learned about conversational marketing. And just like, I think it is important to follow the intentions of the author. And if this person runs live person, which is a chat system or a bot system, they're going to promote it. Um, But I'm always a big believer when we forge into the future, yes, certain things will die off. But what's more common is that we transcend and include what came before, not to necessarily cull away what came before. And what I mean by that is there's always going to be a place for the website. And it's very common in marketing to, you know, create a, um, an enemy, whether that's the website or the old way of doing things for, you know, polarization, clickbait, catchy headlines and all that. But I think a more mature approach would be to just focus on what conversational marketing is and how people can integrate it with bots, with live calls, with account-based marketing. These are, this is part of the future of doing things that don't scale, but also leveraging technology and AI to get the conversation back in sales. So if you really want to learn sales uh, for e-commerce or anything, a part of that training, it's really important to study classic sales techniques from people who used to sell face-to-face. Like go watch the movie, uh, what's it called? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross or something. That's a classic sales movie and you'll learn old school salesmanship uh, which is very valuable still in the modern age. But the old school sales was conversational marketing. This isn't a new idea. It's an old idea that's coming back in this style. I think uh, that, that's fascinating. Um, and you're so right, Chris, that um, it's applying very established principles, but just using technology to promote or use those principles in a, in a slightly different way, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, um, he could have, because I agree with him on, a, you know, it's been a reaction, you know, as web design development matured, um, site, you know, um, where the navigation should be, um, where the, if you're having a sidebar, where that sidebar should be, um, the footer, you know, you, you have seen a bit of, um, I'm struggling for the right word here, um, a kind of unified look, um, which you see on a lot of websites, don't you? But uh, that might change at any time, might it? What do you think, John? Hmm? Yeah, there's a very much a, um, it's a, it's a very much like a repeated template that you see uh, in websites. Uh, and I think when I first started, at least when I first started, doing web design, there is still like a lot of, of creativity, but it seems uh, now that there is very much a pattern of, you know, you got your nav bar at the top, you got a big hero image with a couple 
big bold words in the middle, maybe a call to action button, and then uh, you know next section maybe uh, some words, and then like three you know columns of pictures plus text, and uh, you know it is kind of the same all 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 the way around, and you can look around and and see people pointing this out, uh, and I think in large part this came about because of uh, WordPress templates, uh, you know, in themes uh, that you see out there that, that kind of prepackage that. Um, will we see a resurgence of creativity in the web? I think with uh, browsers supporting things like CSS grid, uh, regions and shapes, I think that you're going to see um, some places start to push the envelope with that. But I think in the end, I mean, really, you're, uh, you, you want to aim for an ROI and people go with what works. Uh, and I think at some point, you know, that'll be challenged, those kind of existing patterns. Yeah, before I go over to Chris, I think you're partially right about WordPress themes, but I also think, I'm only surmising this, I haven't really studied. I also think conversion um, analytics also drove that to some extent. You know, uh, I think, especially on, on sites that got a budget and a team, they they look at competitors, they look at conversion trends, what what is said that will convert, and they copy. And when you when it for understandable reasons, if its purpose is to convert, which in some ways all websites are about conversion, aren't they? Almost all. Um, um, especially in the business sector, there's a tendency, if it's driven by conversion, you're going to end up with a very similar look, maybe. I don't know. I'm driven. Chris, can you save me? Uh, I, I just want to say, I think that as with any innovation, over time it gets saturated and it's no longer an innovation. It becomes um, just part of the majority or the best practice way of doing things. So the, in the early days of, let's say information marketing or building courses or collecting opt-ins or doing forms, these things, when they're innovative, a lot of the results get, you know, very skewed and go to very few. Like think about the first people who released premium WordPress themes. Now it's a completely saturated market with best practices in place. Um, I don't think the website will ever go away. I think it's important to integrate best practices but we should always be innovating on top of that. So if we're designing for mobile with a big hero image, a key headline, and, and like you say, like staying with conversion, that is the main goal. And conversion could just be getting an idea across. It's not always about making money. Um, that's the main function of the website for anybody anywhere in the world to be able to convert on something, to be able to find it and convert on something. Um, and I just don't see that going away. No, but yeah, um, yeah. I think it, I think it like it was kind of um, link bait, but it it did make you think a bit. But I think I, I think your synopsis, really, Chris, at the beginning of this conversation, really was fantastic. And so um, I think the only I think also just to end up, I also think this was driven to some degree with the debate of. Um, speech search, you know, um, having Amazon in your house or having Google in your kitchen and speaking your search requirements that, you know, um, 
that seems to be growing fast. And um, when that will reach a plateau, um, nobody knows really. So I think that's partly also driving this. So um, on to a, a kind of not quite linked. Um, it's an article on with a title on AMP for email. Um, what did you think of this one, John? Unmute. Oh, so the the author of this one, he's pretty much like what I'm seeing a lot of people. Um, especially among the web standards community, uh, starting to kind of, you know, be leery of AMP because uh, it is basically trying to create like a whole new way of, of building sites and uh, AMP itself uh, basically uh, as replacing the traditional HTML, CSS, and JavaScript uh, Trinity uh, that that we've uh, been using since the the dawn of the web, um, and I think the author in this case he has some fears that uh, Google will become another walled garden, similar to uh, what we saw in the early days of the web with AOL, but you know through AMP and AMP for email. Yeah, Chris, what do you? What do you think Google's really up to with all this? I think with Google or Facebook or whoever the behemoth Amazon that we're talking about, they're in, it is in their best interest to grow their business and they're going for like total domination. Total that being, domination. That, that being said, I do think they have a soul or uh, like... Do you, do you think so really, Chris? I have in my doubts really. <laughs> The Death Star, launch the Death Star. <laughs> I think they can, uh, I mean, they are trying to innovate and if they want total domination, I mean, they value, which they do. It's nice to be able to buy anything anywhere, find information or connect with anybody in the world like these big companies do. But um, it go, I'll go back to my original point about transcending and including. So if they're going to introduce something that transcends HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, uh, I think the author makes a good point that it goes against web standards and they're creating this whole new thing and just throwing out the old, which there are times where that makes sense. I'm, not, I'm just not sure that this is that time, but my biggest concern is the fact that it would be proprietary and attached to one company. That's against the, you know, the web... Uh, the open web that we know and love in general. I'm I'm totally against this idea. You know, I, I, when it, when it was explained to me, and I thought, come off it, Google, just come off it. And then when I heard WordPress was getting in bed with with them a little bit, um, I thought to myself, oh my god, you know, I thought to myself, why are they doing that, you know? But obviously. That's the kind of naive part of me saying that I, I know totally why they're doing it completely. Uh, but that's maybe the too cynical part of me. Um, but, you know, I do wonder if there is any heart in the death centre of Google's headquarters, actually, Chris. Is there any human consciousness left or is it all artificial intelligence now, Chris? Uh, <laughs> I think there's good people who work there, but sometimes, you know, just like we've seen in um, 
in tax structures and legal structures, the corporation does kind of become its own identity and serves itself. So yeah, but it's, it's, it's a combination of that global domination and a bunch of smart people working on interesting problems. Maybe artificial intelligence has developed without us noticing. Maybe it's out there already, Chris. <laughs> Maybe we're in a simulation right now. Oh, I've always been in a simulation. <laughs> uh, Rob, there we go. Uh, Rob, I think I'll go on to the next story. Um, I, I don't think we can say too much about it because I just think it's just God forsakenly awful. Um, but other people might have a different view, but I'm just going to give it honest. Um, on to another story. How to show your web design clients you care about their return on investment. What did you think of this one, John? So this one comes to us from Caldera Forms. And I thought this is an excellent article. There's, and especially right now, I think in the WordPress community and, um, you know, also just outside of WordPress in, in the web design and web development community, there is a lot of focus on tools um, it, it, but really, the tools are a means to an end. Your clients uh, are paying you the big bucks to get them some kind of ROI. What this article really did is kind of spell out in a lot of ways that, and for what it's worth, Caldera Forms, they uh, create a very popular contact forum for WordPress. Um, but basically they're spelling out like the, the ROI is getting like qualified leads and they use the example of a uh, mortgage company. They're trying, they're showing like uh, for, you know, so many like qualified leads that adds up to so much revenue for the company. That's what the clients really care about. Not that the site wins design awards or what have you. Uh, and another thing that they do is they kind of spell out, um, you can set up conversion tracking in Google Analytics as a way to quantify uh, the percentage of, you know, uh, leads that you're getting through your contact form and express that in, uh, you know, a dollar amount that, that it's worth to them. This is a good weapon that you or shouldn't say weapon, but this is a good tool, a way to show uh, your clients like, hey, you're getting a return on your investment in this website and, and here's how. Yeah, what did you think, Chris? I thought it was a great article. I, I think like our other conversation here, um, conversion isn't just about making the sale. And, you know, if we go back to old school sales techniques of conversation, we do that online a lot through forms. And so having that conversation happen is an important conversion metric. Um, and I, I really like this. I, um, <clears throat> I think that I was just thinking the other day, like about content I could write. And one of the ideas that I, I like doing is making suggestions. Let's like products people could build to, on top of Lifter LMS because I can see the market demand. The other one of the other ones I like doing is courses that somebody should create. I think that Google Analytics, it, there's a big opportunity for somebody to make it so much easier and simpler to get set up with these goals like Caldera is talking about with these form conversion tracking. And I think that's really cool. Um, for example, like Syed Balki over at Optin Monster, they started doing this thing where uh, the opt-in forms, uh, I use that over at lifterlms.com for different lead magnets and different things. But I now get an email 
every week that shows which are my top converting forms, meaning just form submission, what's working, what's, you know, so I can really see like, oh, this one's really working well. This one's not doing that much. But before I started getting those emails, I just kind of had a, le- I wasn't, I was more focused on e-commerce analytics and not thinking about it. I just thought all my stuff was doing about the same. And then I realized, no, there's a lot of detail here. I should be looking at this and focusing on it. And I can, you know, I can get a much better ROI, like the article promises by focusing on what's working and fixing what's not working or deleting the clutter. So I really like where this is going. And uh, I think Caldera did a great job writing an in-depth article about this issue. Yeah, I think it kind of touched a lot of things. And I, I also agree that it was a great article, really, because it made you start to think. And this is this should be the main reason why you're hiring an experienced web designer and developer or agency, really, is that, yeah, you know, some of the tools in the near future might be becoming a little bit easier to um, develop something that is that is non-damaging to your brand and to your business. But on the other hand, on the other hand, I think it's becoming more and more crucial to have a real understanding of what really converts, what doesn't, and what making sense of the data that comes your way um, and really utilizing that data in design and development that leads to a real outcome. And as long as you can show you, you with some of your clients you've got some real outcomes, you're always going to be in demand. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I mean, I really think that's it. You're, you hit the nail on the head. Um, if you can show the ROI, show me the ROI, uh, then you're always going to be in demand. Show me the cash. Show me the cash. Yep. <laughs> I just want to add real quick that um, I think the results, some people I've heard, uh, there's a guy, Adam Urbanski, who calls it the results revolution. That's the future. Like, uh, I think it would be very refreshing for most small to medium business owners to go out and hire somebody to build them a great looking, working new website, and then have this professional web designer come at them, well, like, okay, yeah, we can make it look like this. We can make it look pretty. We can make it fulfill these business functions. But by the way, I'm also concerned about your ROI as a business owner. Here's how we can track and set this up to identify what's working well in your business, you know, for these conversions. By the way, this is what conversion is all about. I mean, it's like a, it's a total over-delivering of the web design promise that I think would make it a lot easier to build a strong reputation as a web designer or developer or agency when you, when the, when the client almost by surprise realizes how much you care and have been thinking about their potential results. I think it's a huge, it can create a huge advantage for a web agency or freelancer to differentiate themselves. I want to add to that before I know that Jonathan wants to go to break and and do ad read, but I, I want to build on that as well, because what you're saying is, is very true. There's a lot of agencies and freelancers. They kind of decide out and it's like, okay, job done, game over. And it's, you're not tracking like what's happening. You're not keeping in touch with your client. You're just on to the next one. And they have, and that's why people get bitter. Like later they think they dropped a lot of money and they don't know if they got a return because no one's helping them 
you know, keep track of that. Yes, Joe. And you read my mind as well, John. Uh, we get top notch for that. So we're going to go for a break. Before we go for a break, I want to tell you about our sponsor of this episode of the Friday WP Tonic Roundtable Show. And that's Intelligence WP. And what is Intelligence WP? It's a plugin that helps you with the beast, which is Google Analytics. And it puts it on steroids, where it means the data that you can get in to the desktop um, into your WordPress in graph form. Um, it can show you all sorts of things and you can measure all sorts of things. And it's a pretty cool product. And I, we'll have a link on the show notes or you can go directly to the WP, um, the Intelligence WP website. And it's not crippled. Um, you can download it. They have different packages which are around training which shows you how to get the data from Google Analytics but it's a pretty fab product and maybe you can Twitter them as well and say you heard about them on WP Tonic that would be great as well we're going to go for our break folks when we come back we're going to continue this discussion we've got a short a small panel today but a very insightful panel and I've enjoyed the discussion already be back in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com. Just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've discussed the Death Star, which is Google. World domination. Death to all competitors. <laughs> Oh my God, the, the, I'm finished. All right, Chris. I can hear the, the AI, which is Google. They've marked me for destruction already, haven't they, Chris? Uh, Rob, there we go. Uh, Rob, he's coughing. All right, uh, um, on to the next story. Um, reconsider blogging on Medium if you care about SEO. What do you, re- what do you reckon on this one, John? Okay, we talked about this before we went on air and I definitely have thoughts on this. So, um, okay, there's, there's a few things about this. Um, the author, one of their main points is that Medium has no follow links by default. And if you're, if you're unfamiliar with what that is, basically with SEO, like when you're doing link building, uh, you, you generally want follow links because they pass um, the page equity uh, from the page that's linking out to your site. Uh, so basically it's like a vote. No follow links are generally used when it's a uh, sponsored link or a paid link. Um, and they basically don't pass that link equity. But what I think is that it's, it's a little short-sighted in this fact. Medium is a channel for building your brand, just like YouTube, just like Facebook. Uh, you all want to, you know, you always want to be sending it back to the mothership, which is your 
website, but all these other channels like social channels, Instagram, whatever, um, you know, product hunt, um, inbound.org, these and all your guests, uh, posting places, those are all spokes in the wheel that help build your brand. And honestly, where SEO is going is that you want to have the most memorable brand. You want people to be searching for you by your brand name, by your name, by your company name. And Medium's a way to do that. The other part of this that, that I think is a little short-sighted um, is that you want to be driving traffic to your site and Medium is a way to do that. The whole goal of SEO isn't just to uh, rank, but it's to actually drive traffic to your site. Google sees uh, the traffic that comes to your site. If you've got Google Analytics on your site, they know the metrics. They know that people are coming there. And the sites that are more popular that are getting traffic driven to them are going to, you know, over time get a bump because Google sees that they're popular. Those that have are going to get more and those that like don't have are going to get less. So, uh, you know, while I agree with, you know, in principle, it's better to get follow links than no follow links. There's a bigger picture because it, in a lot of verticals, you know, marketing, um, but it, any of them in manufacturing, I build a lot of no, no follow links, but they're in places where those companies need to be if they're going to drive traffic and they're going to get sales and believe it or not, no follow links do play a part in SEO. So that's my two cents. What do you think, Chris? I think that was really well said what John, John was saying there with SEO. Uh, this article is almost, I would say, dangerous to a non-SEO professional because it makes it look like this one small piece in the jigsaw puzzle is like mission critical. Um, it, to what John says, the nofollow link, well, yeah, you may not get rewarded or rewarded as much from a nofollow link, but what if that brought a new visitor that later opts into your email list or you know, starts doing other things that does matter more? Um, I think we have to look at the forest for the trees. And I also think it's really important that businesses, you know, get outside of the building and publish content in other places. Yeah, I'm a huge WordPress fan. I love owning the platform and owning my blog. I, whenever we do a product launch, we put a post on Medium. I don't care about it from an SEO perspective. It's just part of our checklist of 200 things we do when we launch a, a, a product and have, a, have something new to talk about. Um, so that, yeah, I think the main thing here is SEO is a puzzle. If we go back to the mothership of AI, Google, there's really, you know, you can't outsmart Google. So what I mean by that is um, the algorithm that they use for SEO is complex. And to, to zero in on this one piece of the jigsaw puzzle and getting really focused on it and deciding not to post content on a platform that you don't own that potentially has no follow links. I think it's just missing the bigger picture. I, I do think it's important to like figure out your SEO strategy, but the very fact that you are creating content is already going to give you a huge leg up. I think a lot of people get into the SEO conversation thinking they're going to find a shortcut and then they don't have to do the work. But like if you're publishing content, you should be doing it on your own platform, but I think you should also be doing it in lots of other places too. 
Yeah, I think both of you put fantastic comments. Like, uh, so many people are looking for that silver bullet when it comes to SEO, that little edge, that fin, that one fin that will lead. And, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. This has been a dangerous article on reflection after what you and John have said because it gives, you know, it's right in what it says, but it's wrong in the bigger picture, isn't it? That's the problem with it, you know. And you get a lot of people reading that and they just say, I'm not using medium anymore. Uh, They they don't understand why they should be using medium, do they? You know, that's the whole problem with the article, isn't it? Absolutely. Naughty, naughty. (laughs) I've got to report them to the Google. I think think we're uncovering a trend in these stories today about being... um, very polarizing or taking yeah. a stand on like this small issue and not acknowledging the bigger picture, it might help get clicks, but it, that's what makes it dangerous. Well, um, I was listening to a podcast, um, Sam Harris waking up and he had a guest and um, Ferguson, um, he's a, I was going to say he was a historian. I've got real views about Ferguson, but I'm not going to bore the listeners by expressing them. Um, But what they were talking about was the election and how Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And they were talking about um, also how social media, um, we're all going to have a discussion. And um, he linked it to the printing press. And when the printing press really got established, it led to a much larger discussion. But that discussion led to the 100-year war in Europe. It was one of the factors that led to it. So having a load of really angry people or having a really great discussion doesn't lead to great things a lot of the time, but it just made me think. Um, that was off on the trend, didn't it? But there we go. Um, let's get back to this. Um I'll throw you this one, historic yearly trends, the usage content management systems for websites. And it's not the most attractive page, is it? Um, but it is from w3techs.com. There we go. But um, I'm still, um, the reason I threw it in is, uh, A, it's still quite amazing the percentage of sites that that seem to not to be using any content management system. Secondly, um, like Squarespace, Wix, they're seen, Shopify, they're seen as real kind of the real underlying competitors to maybe WordPress. But they're in percentage terms, they're still quite small, aren't they, by the look of this data? What, what, does, what about you, Chris? What about you starting off? What did you think of that? No? I think this is interesting because, yeah, I think this is, uh, this is really interesting because um, I was listening to a podcast actually between Josh Pickford and the guy I referenced earlier, David Cancel, the founder of Drift. And they were talking about how when companies go after the middle market, which is other innovators and tech people like, like the three of us on this call, it's a very different market. And so it's a big mistake to like do a startup that sells to other startups. The big thing is all about going to SMB, small and medium-sized businesses like John does with manufacturing or enterprise, uh, which maybe you do as well, John. But the, um, so what I'm saying is I, I think it's actually still early days for these tools uh, like WordPress, 
where, yeah, like all the like startups who like to, you know, take the power and get, get things going in their own way. Um, and, and perhaps take some more risks and they're okay with change and whatever. But the whole mainstream I think is coming and they behave very differently. So there's still a lot of people, small and medium-sized businesses, as well as enterprise companies that are still back in the past with the old school website that was built without a CMS. So while we're forging ahead, like we're way past like WordPress and CMS and like we're doing it Lifter, we're building applications on top of it. The small and medium-sized business and enterprise are still catching up. And I think that um, that's why some of these numbers are a little funny um, and, and why so many people have no, no uh, content management system because they still haven't gone mainstream yet. Yeah, that's the kind of impression I was getting from it. And I thought, it can't be right. can't be. But I think you do end up in a bubble. What do you reckon, Joel? What did you reckon about this? Well, it's, it's like Chris said. No one's from the old school because the web on a whole is barely even 20 years old, uh, to paraphrase uh, a great person. But uh, what's interesting to me is there's only four CMSs that have above 1% market share, WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and Magento. And uh, Shopify is, is, looks like they're almost at 1%. Uh, Blogger looks like they're going downhill at this point, Blogspot, RIP, but they're, they're below 1%. And Squarespace seems to be upticking. But like Wix, you would think from all the YouTube ads from YouTube creators – that are selling their souls to Wix, saying how great it is, it's only got like half a percent of, of the market. Uh, Weebly's got like 0.2%. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible when you look at the actual uh, volume. What I'm looking at, though, is the trends, uh, the like longer-term trends. WordPress has been the, the CMS that has very clearly uh, jumped to the top of the, the field, and they've had steady growth even over the last couple of years uh when you think the market is saturated they're still growing joomla seems to be going down um but you know shopify and uh squarespace seem to be the ones that though they're still you know not that much of the market they're actually growing steadily and a lot of the other ones are flat so yeah and what do you think leads to growth and what leads to flatness um, I would say what leads to flatness is lack of innovation uh, in WordPress uh, for all the things that you can, all the criticisms that you can levy against WordPress. It has definitely tried to innovate uh, at every turn. Um, what leads to growth, I think, is uh, Matt Medeiros wrote about this in the, uh, the blue collar uh, WordPress uh, professional and uh, you know, the, quarter million websites that they've helped put out. You need agencies and uh, web professionals to be pushing a platform. I think more than anything else, that's what's going to lead to growth. So the first sale is always to the, the person who's going to be building your website. And if they are sold on it, then they will evangelize for you. Uh, you know, so th that's really what I think leads to growth. 
I'm going to have to get, try and get Matt on the show um, maybe in March on the round table, see if he's up for it. He's a friend. I consider him a friend of the show. He's a um, great guy. And I think if we had a chat with him. Oh, oh so we got somebody. Uh, got a new person attending. Oh, Adam. Yeah. Didn't notice. Bring him in. Yeah, bring him in. There we are. <laughs> he's come on. Um. So, Adam, we were discussing uh, a report about um, the trends in the percentage of the market that's controlled by WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, um, Shopify, other things. Um, oh, he's boot on Chris. Everyone, Adam, he's muted. What's this about? You're muted, are you? It's, it's, it's unmute, yeah. Oh, there you are. Am I muted now? No, you're not now. Uh, um, so we were discussing um, the statistics that, like, Squarespace and um, Shopify are up a bit. There is a slight trend. But it's still an enormous majority of sites that have no content management system at all, almost 50%. I was really surprised. Are you that surprised? Well, you know, it's it, it, it's also kind of likened to the whole, um, I'm a web developer, I can't find any clients, yet if you just walk down a street of businesses, half of them don't have a website, the other half it sucks, and the other half it's this like simple little HTML thing they got 10 years ago from their nephew or something something like that. Uh, none of this stuff actually surprises me that there is massive growth ahead. Of course, market share numbers, they're always going up and down, but the amount of people using there's, it's just the world is, the, the world is, uh, you know, ready for domination there. I mean, such a small fraction of businesses and people, think about it, everybody, you know how, think about it like this, and we're all old enough here on this panel to remember the days before a cell phone, right? It, it's just kind of like that with a website where everybody will need a website at a certain point, just like cell phones. And it's almost unimaginable. Everybody has a personal website. Everybody has a business website. It's unimaginable right now. But I guarantee you, when cell phones came out, everyone having a cell phone or two cell phones and kids having cell phones was completely unimaginable. Things change over time. And that's why there's, there's just so much opportunity out there for people to start going into one of these CMSs and you're going to see it being just the big guys. Yeah, it's really interesting. Actually, I think reflecting it is kind of why people resist having a website. Well, in a way, I can understand why, because if, if you're not really going to have a really good-looking one and then have a strategy about how you're going to get traffic, you know, what you're going to keep putting on the website, um, in some ways it might be best not to do it. I don't know. I also don't know how much um, this attitude that, well, we don't, need, we don't need a website because we use Facebook. Um, what do you think of that, Chris? Do you think that's something that's in the mind of a lot of small business? I've noticed that, which I think is so dangerous, absolutely yeah. horrendous idea. But uh, I think there's a lot of small business that say, well, our online platform is Facebook. 
I think it's just a literacy issue. I mean, in the same way, we were talking about the printing press earlier and then people needed to learn how to read and it became before it became a dominant thing. Modern online marketing and having an online presence, uh, it's, it's still very immature for some people or almost an, an illiteracy issue. Uh, or perhaps having some uh, failed perceptions of like, oh, well, I like Facebook. I guess I follow Facebook pages and groups. That's all I need. Uh, there's just a lot of assumptions wrapped up into that. So I think it's I think it's really just a literacy issue. And if we go outside of the digital entrepreneur, startup, techie, web kind of bubble, you know, a lot of people don't, they're just not as literate. So we have we have a knowledge gap here. And don't get me wrong, I use Facebook quite extensively, but on the other hand, I totally agree with what John said. Now, use it for what it is, um, but don't, you know, don't mislead yourself. What do you reckon, John? Uh, do you think I might have something there that a lot of businesses kind of look at Facebook as their web presence, which is not a great, you know, you t- totally is not a great idea, is it, John? Uh, I'm going to point something out too. Like uh, very recently, Rebecca Gill did a podcast episode all about this, like using, and basically it was saying that, you know, you shouldn't be using a Facebook page for your, you know, base operations. You can't use a Facebook page as your website. And my position is this. Um, if somebody wants, if a business, small business, because it's never going to be a big business, uh, wants to use a Facebook page for their, you know, website, their de facto website, go ahead. I'm not here to convert you. If, if you really believe that, you, you know, that, that a Facebook page is an appropriate uh, replacement for a website, then more power to you. You will take your lumps and, and you'll learn. But I'm not trying to convert those people. That's my feeling on it. Um, you know, if, if, and nothing against this, because I know a lot of people that start their entrepreneurial journey this way but if you have an etsy shop or something like that and you want to have a facebook page but not a website great but i mean honestly it's like chris said mature businesses know that they need a website or otherwise they're not going to be taken seriously simple as that so you know yeah i think i might be on something there what do you reckon adam i absolutely uh think that but you you know it's a <laughs> It's it's interesting because some you always want to control your own way you are shown on the internet. You know, if you have it be a Facebook page or something like that, people can leave bad reviews there. And why are you gonna? You know, it's like would you put a bad review of your business or something like that on your website? No, you have no control on Facebook or anything like that on certain aspects of it. So. Uh, I know for me, WP Crafter, I've got like 70 something, uh, 73 reviews and one guy put a one star and didn't write anything there. And I don't tell people to go there, even though it's mostly, it's, it's all good. I don't tell people to go to my Facebook page. Anyways. No, um, Zuckerberg's got enough money really, hasn't he? You know, he's roughing it, isn't he? You know, he's, got, he's busy anyway. He's dealing with all those Russians, isn't he? Uh, right. <laughs> oh, God. That, so I've upset Google. Now I'm on to Facebook. There's no hope for me, panel, is there? I'm going to be marked for execution very soon, aren't I? Um, on to the last story. Um, 
yeah, maybe I should have threw this one in. Oh, well, well, I think it's worth a discussion still. Um, 13 performance boosting site speed tips for WordPress. That's not a link bait title, is it? Uh, <laughs> um, from talk, uh, or, yeah, or, um, Adam's already nodding his head at me. Uh, um, so, um, but it's you know it's an ongoing discussion with my client base, with my little company. Uh, um, performance, performance. Um, anybody want to start this off? What about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I think this is a good article for a mature, you know, business who has an online presence that's looking to really optimize speed. However, I think there's a bigger opportunity just for the general public who has websites to do a few things well, like not uploading giant images, um, having adequate hosting, which can help a lot with speed and, um, you know, doing some basic, basic caching. Um, that's a, that'll help like 90% of the issues out there. A lot of times people are under hosted, or putting accidentally putting massive files on their website that really slows things down. Yeah, and I also think you know, <laughs> um, looking at you know, just really thinking about the theme you're select. If you're going to go down the WordPress route and you 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 you're going to get a theme, just. Um, just trying to find out something about it and about the person and their background who made it or something. What do you reckon, John? What, what do you can I Can I just add one oh, more no. thing? I just wanted to spotlight uh, Sujay Pawar over with the Astra theme. When I saw that he was taking a stand on speed for his for that theme, Astra, I thought, oh, wow, that's cool. That's a, that's a much-needed, unique angle. It does a lot of other things very well, but... Um, I just thought it was really cool to see that leadership coming out of the theme community. Yeah, before I go to John, um, yeah, you, you know, both Chris and Adam, you um, you seem to really like the Astra. Why do you like it so much, Adam? Yeah, well, actually, for anyone wondering, that is the theme that I actually I used the theme before it was even available. I was beta testing it, and a lot of my ideas kind of uh, went into it, and. Um, you, every line of code in this theme is carefully and methodically weighed. Should it be in there or should it not be in there? Or what's the most optimal way of doing this? And if you do just even the most basic speed tests with this theme and it's free guys, that's a crazy thing. If you just do some speed test comparisons between the Astra theme and other themes that you might think are fast or some that you definitely know aren't fast, you're going to be astonished by how how um, modern the coding standards are and the coding methods are that have gone into this. It's just an amazing theme. And then they even have a pro package that can allow you to do things with it that other paid themes don't even allow you to do. There's a lot of great developer-specific stuff in there. And also something that's really neat that's in there, it supports Lifter LMS. Um, uh, that's uh, Chris's plugin out of the box. It's going to provide styling for that out of the box in the free version. It's a fantastic theme. But on this topic of speed, I think it's just a combo of problems, right? 
were just it, WordPress. You might think it's been around a long time, but really, in the lifespan that WordPress is going to have, it's really just an infant. And so, a lot of themes have been coded. They're coding mess disasters, you know, and so that's part of the problem. Web hosts were ill-prepared to support WordPress at the volume of which they do. Most web hosting companies, 70% of their business is WordPress, and they're just not set up properly because we're in that infantile stage of WordPress and oh, really wow. um, push – what's that? You oh, don't, but you know. I know a hosting company that's well – capable of that and it's also called kinster i think it's called kinster actually uh um, but actually well what needs to happen though is yeah so they're ahead of the game right but more web hosting companies probably need to become like a kinsta uh so over time squeeze out the host gators and all the endurance energy national uh group uh type of hosting companies that give wordpress a bad name but you do have some good guys like siteground they try to do innovations and they try to optimize their stack for it so i really think most of these speed problems are because hosts need to catch up and people need to start swapping out their themes for better coded themes and be careful about what plugins they put in. These are what are the problems. A user shouldn't have to think I have to optimize this image. The host should say it's in my best interest to optimize that image for them. So I'm going to do it automatically. This is kind of the evolution that needs to happen. And it will probably happen over the next few years. Yeah, well, also, I think, you know, if you've got a certain business model at a certain price point and it's been successful and you can still market it to um, slightly, not naive, naive, I don't know. I don't know what the right word be, but uh, unknowing large market. If your price, your, your profit structure is set up in that way it's very hard and it and you got a lot of success with it it's very hard to move the ship even though you know can you see where i'm coming from chris i can't see where you're coming from and this goes back to our earlier conversation around um and i love adam's point about they these images should be optimized for you a lot of the tips and tricks in this article are for web people techies it's going to, reading this, this article would overwhelm the average website owner and it's going to be all techno babble. Yeah, but Chris, but Chris, Chris, I know, I know an excellent boutique service company that can help her with that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. WP Tonic, right? Yeah, they've got some crazy English guy that actually talks to his clients regularly. You know, that's, that's why you're, it's a boutique because we actually talk to our clients over Zoom. They actually know me, Chris. Yeah, uh, um, yeah the, customer, the customer wants a fast site. They just need a, an agency like yours or in a hosting company that handles it for them. Exactly. They, they, they got better things to concentrate on, haven't they, Adam? Like getting visitors and actually getting them to do something. Or adding some content to their website. You know, it's the sad thing about uh, the current state of some WordPress related stuff is that to really optimize it, it's kind of like you're letting, you're, you're laying out landmines that you're accidentally going to step into in the future. You know what I mean? Nothing, this happens to me, right? I'll, 
do some kind of an update and then I'll look at the front end of my website and then bam, something doesn't work. And now I've got to go and disable everything and enable it one by one to figure out what the heck is causing the problem. So, you know, all these problems are eventually just need to be handled by a web host. And, and you know. Yeah. And to finish off, um, <clears throat> I think WordPress has got a bit of bad rap for understandable reasons. But on the other hand, when, you know, because you can end up with a kind of mess, you know, well, a lot of the times you do. Um, but on the other hand, the kind of functionality that you, the power, the functionality, the flexibility that you can get with the WordPress um, platform, I'm talking about WordPress.org here, folks, uh, um, is just breathtaking, at, you know, at a price point that a few years ago, could not even be considered. And that's what's led to the tremendous growth of, of WordPress. But all that flexibility and power, plugins, themes, blah, 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 there's a consequence, and that consequence tends to end up being on the speed front. I mean, what do you reckon, John? Do you reckon that um, I'm right about that, or was I waffling? No, you're not waffling. I, I think it's some really good points that Adam and Chris are making. Uh, and, and in this article, I mean, really, like a lot of your speed problems are, are going to be uh, by getting decent hosting and getting a decent theme. And I would say that, uh, you know, for the people that are tempted to do it yourself and you want to, you know, go to Theme Forest and buy something and just do it yourself because you don't have the budget, I would say invest in hiring um, someone to consult with you and at least like tell you what hosting to get, what theme to get, what plugins you're going to need. And, you know, even if your budget is small, do those things because it's going to pay off because uh, a lot of what happens is you'll see people uh, go and get on their local ISP from, that's been around since 1995 and they're not set up, they're not optimized for WordPress. They're running like PHP, like 5.1 um, and it's just it, you're going to have a bad time get on a good host uh, have someone point out a good theme Astra's a, a good theme um, you know don't buy one of these bloated Swiss army knife themes um, you know have somebody t you know con consult with you like what plugins you should get and, and how you should you know set that up have somebody like Jonathan you know set up your site for speed um, it, it'll make a big, big difference, you know, even if you have a limited budget. That's my two cents. Yeah, um, I'm still, uh, and it's like I'm kind of hitting a, um, it's a bit of a dead dog, but I, I still feel, I still feel sorry for the average person that just wants to get a site up and I just don't feel, I, I do understand why they end up on theme forest why they go down that route because i just don't think wordpress and wordpress.org has given enough advice and enough guidance without it becoming you know a corruption kind of cesspit um there are mythologies where they could could do a better job of guiding users to quality themes without it becoming a, a, a nightmare, I feel. But it's um, it doesn't seem to be um, that 
that attitude isn't getting a very good reception, really. But I just feel the whole thing could be done much better. But there we go. I think we're going to wrap it up now. I, I've really enjoyed the discussion again. I think we we really covered some territory in this in this show today. Uh, I'll let the panel. Um, so, Chris, how can people find out more about you, Chris? You can find out more about me at Lifter LMS, which is a WordPress-based learning management system, lifterlms.com. I also have a podcast for course creators called LMSCast, and I am at Chris Badgett on Twitter. Um, thank you for your contribution, uh, Chris. Uh, I think some of the things you said in this episode are so insightful. Thank you for joining us so much. Adam, how can people find out about you? Well, first, I want to say why I was so late today. Um, I know we're we're wrapping things up, but I was doing a live stream on my Facebook group, a live stream on my YouTube channel, which you should check out, by the way, youtube.com slash WP Crafter. Uh, I published live a four and a half hour tutorial. I, pub I clicked publish live for everyone, and it will teach anyone how to make an e-commerce-based website, full training on WooCommerce, everything. I have some interesting contests going on with that. Next week, I'm going to have my video on how to create an online course website, and that's going to be featuring Chris's product. Um, oh, so, are you, are you uh, going to be joining awesome. us, though? Are you going to be joining us? No. Uh, I, I, well, I got bags under my eyes because I was up editing this in epic tutorial yesterday and and i just had to do it today just sometimes in life you just have to do it God, just get it done it. stop making the excuses get it done just you know it it's done. like um it's like that uh, movie uh water boy the guy that appears in all the adam sandler videos you can do it john look um how can people find out more about you john you can find me at my website, which is lockdowndesign.com. And when are you going to do these SEO, this joint thing with Adam then? When's that coming up? Um, whenever Adam gives me the word, we're going to unleash uh, our knowledge on the world. So there you go. Oh, God. What's yes, that? Uh, got, uh, you have to tell me. Great. I'm oh, sorry. A lot of great SEO stuff is coming on the YouTube channel there uh, with John. Uh, I just had to get this WooCommerce tutorial out of the way. <laughs> and then I've got to get the online course tutorial out of the way. And then it's all SEO all the time, baby. Baby. There we go. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, go to the WP Tonic website. We've got a load of new articles published to one article and another one coming up this Saturday on learning management systems. Um, we're, um, we're going to be publishing at least three to four articles per month in the coming months about how to set up a learning management system and every aspect of it. And I will be doing some training videos around that subject in increasing amounts in the coming months. So, um, but also join our podcasts and especially join. Um, we've had some great interviews on our Wednesday show and our round tables. I've just totally enjoyed them so this um, month. So we'll see you next week, folks, for another WP Tonic Roundtable show. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.